Welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from me, John White, priest at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Camillus, New York. This week is the second Sunday of Advent, and we're exploring the idea of Christian joy. reading today is from Paul's letter to the Romans. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God, in order that he might confirm the promise given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the people praise him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit, the word of the Lord. I'm here to confess that I am not an Advent purist. That there are many people, probably not so much anymore, but there are lots of people for whom during the season of Advent, any talk of Christmas is absolutely forbidden. And we, we sort of follow that here in church, right? We don't sing Christmas carols during the season of Advent. Christmas, the church tells us, begins on Christmas Day and goes into January. The 12 days of Christmas begin on Christmas Day, not the season before. And so in Advent, the church reminds us that this is supposed to be a time of waiting, that we shouldn't rush into the celebration of Christmas. But I confess that I'm pretty much already there. Yesterday, we went and got our Christmas tree. Over the weekend, I put up the Christmas lights. We've decorated the house. We started to buy presents. 
I've actually already been planning the Christmas liturgies because you have to do that in advance. So I listen to Christmas music. I've got like a Christmas playlist on my iPhone. Lots of like Burl Ives and Bing Crosby and Nat King Cole. I'm kind of a traditionalist in that sense. No, none of that Jingle Bell Rock stuff. <laughs> And, and part, and I have, we haven't done it yet, but part of the time moving into Christmas usually is spent in watching my two favorite Christmas specials from when I was a kid. You know, the ones that used to come on TV and they, they had the little jingle on the front that said, in living color, because not everything was. And, and my two favorite are The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, of course, and A Charlie Brown Christmas. And, you know, in this season of Advent, there's, there's sort of this idea that each Sunday has sort of a, a theme. There's hope and joy and faith and love. And the, and the theme for this week is joy. And yet I think about my two favorite Christmas specials about the Grinch and about Charlie Brown. And they each star characters who are joyless. Right? If we really think about it, Charlie Brown and the Grinch are really similar. They're both alienated. They're both isolated. They both don't understand why their neighbors and friends are caught up in frenetic frenzy of festivity. And they, they each respond slightly differently, but in the same way. There's a dog over there. And, and the Grinch, of course, he looks down on, on the Who's. Does everybody remember the story? Do I need a synopsis? All right. So the Grinch looks down on the Who's and Whoville and their celebration, and he's isolated up on his mountain. He does not feel a part of this, and he finds that his neighbors are, are objects of his hatred, and he reviles them. And so he hatches the plan to steal Christmas away that he will put on his Santa Claus suit and him and his dog Max with this like sawed off horn. Although in the book they don't saw off his horn, that's totally made up in the TV show. They go into town and he slinks into the Who houses and steals even the last can of Who hash and leaves only a speck too small for even a Who mouse because he hates his neighbors. Charlie Brown, on the other hand, just continually does everything wrong. Right, because he thinks he's trying to do the things that people expect of him, and yet they always fall short. He's a terrible director of the school play. He picks out the most pathetic Christmas tree ever, right, to the point that people, my kids, will say, oh, that's a sad-looking Charlie Brown tree. Poor Charlie Brown. He's really trying hard. And I have to be honest, I, I think that these are my favorite Christmas specials because I really relate to these characters, now, I know you may be saying to yourself, John White, that guy, sure does seem happy. But at heart, I'm really a curmudgeon. And I know it doesn't seem like it. I, I don't play one here, but, um, but if you were to ask my wife, she would tell you that I am a miserable soul. <laughs> but my wife is accurate. Anyway, because she is a saint. Anyway. 
So I really relate to these characters and, and they speak to really large portions of my life because I spent a lot of time feeling sort of isolated and different and like I didn't fit in anywhere and that I didn't belong and that I wasn't worthy of the good things that life has to offer, right? And I think lots of people feel that way sometimes. Not all the time, but I think a lot of us feel that way sometimes. And Christmas kind of brings it to the fore because just like the Who's and Whoville and, and Charlie Brown's classmates, it seems like everybody else is really having a good time. They're baking their cookies and they're going shopping and they're, they're decorating and they're wearing festive sweaters and they're going caroling. I don't really like caroling because they used to come to my door and they would just stand out there singing and I'm like, what, what do you want? Do you want something? Am I supposed to do something? How am I supposed to respond? I'm like in my pajamas with a bunch of strangers on my front porch singing Christmas songs. I don't understand caroling. I still don't understand caroling. And so maybe like the Grinch, my heart is this two sizes too small. Or maybe my shoes are too tight. Who can say? <laughs> but I think a lot of us, especially at this time of year, that, that we're told to be joyous and yet as we age, especially Christmas is a time when we think of the, what we have lost as much of whatever it is we think we might gain. That as we go through our lives, people that were important to us go away. Sometimes they move away. Sometimes they die. Sometimes we have irreconcilable differences with them and, and close relationships become strained, even within families. And to be constantly reminded of, of how joyous we are supposed to be can be a huge burden to carry. And that's, I have to say, I really felt like this much more strongly when I was younger. But, but I think when we look at those Christmas specials, and this is a sermon all about Christmas specials, I'm really not paying attention to the readings, just so we're clear here. That in these Christmas specials, each of them, the characters of the Grinch and Charlie Brown, kind of go through a transformation, right? That when the Grinch steals Christmas, he takes everything. He takes the trees, he takes the food, he takes the decorations, he takes the nails out of the wall that hold the stockings up. He's really a miserable character who wants to spread his misery around, and he takes all of the stuff to the top of Mount Crumpet, it says, so he can tip it off. But before he does that, he wants to hear the misery of the Who's when they wake up to discover that it's all gone. And you know what happens, right? That the Who's come out and they sing. And they sing. And they sing that little Who song that I really love, but it has nonsense words, so we can't sing it in church. And, and he's frozen and he's frozen there while he tries to understand what has happened. And if you remember the story of Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown finally screams out in anguish, I just don't understand what is happening here. And we remember that Linus puts on his blanket into like a shepherd's hat. And he reads the story from Luke of the birth of Jesus and the announcement of the angels to the shepherds to go to Bethlehem and to see this thing that has happened. And as friends, they gather around, and they look at his poor, sad tree. It really is a miserable tree. 
And they take all the decorations off of Snoopy's house and they turn the tree into something marvelous. And they all gather together and they yell, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown, and they sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Right? And remember that the, that the Grinch, that his heart grows three sizes that day, and he races back down to the Whoville, and, and the Who's welcome him into their community. In fact, they make him the guest of honor. And the Grinch, the Grinch himself, carves the Who beast. What they have in common in this transformation, I think it's two things. And the first is that sort of explicit expression of love, right? That, that for Charlie Brown, it's the story of God's intervention in the world through Jesus. And that for the Grinch, it's the Who's who come out to sing and celebrate that same thing, although it's not mentioned in the book, on Christmas morn. That the joy of the coming of Jesus is transformative. And the second thing that's really important is that they are both welcomed back into community. That they were both isolated and they felt disconnected and alone. And yet they are actually a part of beloved community. And, and I think about my own life, and, and I, though I am a miserable sod, the most transformative thing that ever happened to me was entering into the life of faith, right? That when I sent my email to the real Father John at St. Michael and All Angels in Portland and said, hey, I'd like to get baptized and become a part of the church, which he was very dubious of because people don't do that, and they don't. And he said, well, why don't you come? We'll see. And so I did, and I was welcomed into this community, and I became a part of, of this catechumenal process of teaching about the faith, and I was given uh, a baptismal sponsor, my own godparent, Michael, who I got a letter from this week, which was really sweet. And I was welcomed into this community without expectation. That who I was was good enough, and that I was loved and that I had something of value to contribute, that I had, I had a place, and people welcomed me. And I felt love in a way that I had never really experienced before. In fact, it made me understand it in a way that I never really even understood it before. And I think that that is the joy, the love that we celebrate in the coming of Jesus that we are not really talking about yet, that we're anticipating, but yet which animates all that we do. right? Because without that intervention of God in human history, in Jesus Christ, our world would be so different than it is now. And though it still falls short in so many ways of the goodness with which it was created, it is immeasurably better than it was on that day in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Or even on that day that John the Baptist called the Pharisees a brood of vipers. That the incarnation gives value to our lives. It says that being a human is something important. 
that God created us with purpose and meaning, not just to be sort of puppets to do God's will or, or creatures to suffer on this earthly life, but that we are something good. And Jesus gathered together his friends. And when he left to be with the Father again, the only thing Jesus left behind were his friends. He didn't write a book. He didn't give in detailed instructions on how to organize a, a, you know, a church. He left a group of friends and he said, I trust you to continue to love the world the way that I do and to do the work that I have done to make it better to the people that you encounter. And all I ask that you do, he said to his friends, was to invite more people into your community. And so that's what we've done. That's what we continue to do. That someone told someone who told someone who told someone who told you about Jesus. That in the encounter of the love of God in community, our lives are transformed. Our world is made different and better. And essentially, that's what we've come to celebrate here today. Today, we're going to ask you in a minute to, to if you remember, to bring, them, to bring up your, your commitments to our mission and ministry in the coming year. We're going to put them right here in the font. And that's, that's our, each of us, our testimony, our commitment to continue that fellowship of love and mercy and grace where we commit ourselves to welcoming everyone who comes to join us, not for what they could be or for what they might offer, but for who they are, a beloved child of God. Amen.